Interesting enough, um, some years ago, I remembered um, one of the talk show hosts was dealing with a um, our words, our new words, and new ways of using words, depending on context, uh, entered into the dictionaries, such as the Oxford, the Oxford mm-hmm. Dictionary, and so on. And um, the the study of language. Uh, professor, I don't know where, came up and said at that stage, about 40,000 words are added to the dictionary on an annual basis, Mm -hmm. not necessarily new words, but new word, new ways of using words because of context. Mm -hmm. And that was like, wow, I didn't even think that I thought the 1,700 words or whatever there was in the dictionary at the time was like, we've (laughs) got the amount no no no, no. <laughs> uh, that's why I'm I, uh, uh, there was a debate going on uh, and I'll actually put this in there because <laughs> I've just been recording the whole time now so I'll actually put this in there. Oh, we could have been skimming I didn't even notice <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry Yo, that was very unethical of me actually I'm supposed to inform you every time I uh, anyway oh. that's always my there was a debate that happened two weeks ago um, about like colored culture um, the Americans were taking issue to one South African girl's um, woman's um, TikTok video, and they obviously see colored as like a racial slur, and <laughs> where we like attach a cultural, uh, or at least we attach like a culture to it. Um, and then there was that debate, and then someone pulled my video that I did on colored culture two years ago into the debate again. So uh, thank you for the, the views, whoever you are. <laughs> I always appreciate of those things. Um, and yeah, then, then it, it comes down to like my relationship with Afrikaans where I I don't mean it derogat- in a derogatory way, but like Afrikaans is a very small language um, and we should really give ourselves the license to expand it in any way we want, you know, especially colored people because mm. it's our language we can do it with whatever we want never ever 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 let someone who identifies in Afrikaner tell you how to use your language as a brown person that's mm. all I'm saying it's usually my my heritage day kind of diatribe but yeah it, it became quite important now and that's a good way to segue into the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany Education Sunday. Welcome to the St. George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George, the Martin Kales, alongside the chapteries of St. Mark and St. Monica's. I am Lindsay Shooters, your host on this exploration of faith during this time of continued crisis, um, multiple personal crises happening in my life. Um, not so much outside. I think we, I think we're done with COVID, but now we have measles is back and like swine flu is back again, um, which is incredible. And please do not drink the tap water until we get like load shedding fixed. There's multiple situations happening across the country. Um, people are getting sick. I have been sick, um, from drinking tap water in, in Johannesburg. Um, yeah, please just keep yourself safe. And I'm joined as always by... Director of the parish, the Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman. How are you today, sir? Are you drinking bottled water? This is what I want to know. <laughs> mm. Well, I am because a new debate in in our family as well uh, arises because I love sparkled water, sparkling water, mm. and my family loves the plain water. Yeah. So, the, so we have to ensure that there's a, a little bit of both in there. Yeah. So since I think I I think since that when the droughts happened, yeah, we've entered into purchasing um, bottled water. Um, uh, you know, I mean, I would have thought we could do some cold water from the tap, some water from the tap, and put it into the fridge, and maybe magic happens and the water tastes <laughs> nice. My fam, my family said, now that's not the way to go. So yes, bottled water's become. I mean, it's amazing how you know you you have your budget, you have your income, you have your budget, and then suddenly something new pops up that is essential. Suddenly becomes essential, and your budget then breaks the purse uh, because yes. you know bottled water is not cheap. And then of course the concern in terms of the the, the packaging of bottled water, yes. plastic. <laughs> 
So that's also a, a thing that we know. Uh, we, we do have some, uh, some the, the guy with whom we purchased from Richard, he sells water in, in, in bottles as well. Yeah, and so so reminds me of you know the old days the milky used to come around and um, mm-hmm. you know with the bottle and you'd leave the little uh, green or blue or yellow thing inside the bottle because Granny wanted uh, two liters again yeah <laughs> for the next day so maybe that system should kick in where we can use bottles water in bottles itself and then trade them on a daily basis yeah. at the stoop. <laughs> you could also just boil water um, and then store that in the fridge because uh, yeah, that, that does make magic because uh, most yeah. pathogens cannot live above uh, 90 degrees, 80 degrees Celsius, um, and boiling water brings it up to 100 degrees Celsius. Um, but it, it does, yeah. it does. This 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 uh, conversation does actually, you know, speak to how our lives are dynam- dynamically changed. How yours is an essential element now that you have to think about using differently. Mm. Uh, poorer communities may not even have this conversation because that they may not be able to afford bottled water. So it 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 does bring up social challenges. Indeed. Um, some of us have the, the 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 means to purchase bottled water, and it you know it, it's almost like a it became at one stage a, a new social trend. You know, oh, so where did you buy this bottle? It looks nice, uh, yeah, you yeah. know, and and so forth. All the kind, the brand of water that you're using, that you that you want. I think French Rook is a place where some of these things come from. Né? I think that's where the water that I that we have. Yeah, yeah, and then there was the whole political issue around one of the brands, Aqua something. Um, uh, well, so so these changes, I don't know whether whether we actually sit still and say, my life has to be adapted again because of of something out of my control. Why suddenly is bottled water more important than tap water? Cape Town had the best tap water around at one stage. You know, we living change all the time, sometimes without us even realizing it. Uh, we adapt or we die kind of thing. And I wonder, this is my question to you, sir, what does it do, not to the psyche only, to the spirituality, our human spirituality, our sense of, something bigger than ourselves an important conversation um my uh we have uh aunt um staying with us from australia um she's visiting first time in like she's she hasn't met adam yet and i think yeah i think this is the first time in like a decade maybe that, that she's here she's muslim and the kids were asking if like why muslims don't eat pork and it, it comes down to exactly this conversation that we're having now is um, there's been like times in, in, in human history where we've had to start mass movements to overcome health challenges. So like the challenges of storing pork is like pork is very difficult to to, to store and chicken to, to an extent, but luckily chicken are like small enough to just be able to to um, consume it entirely and not have much leftovers for the next day so it can get rotten and then kill us. Um, whereas pork, I mean, a pig is a big animal, so if you slaughter a pig, it's like you're not going to eat all of that in one go. And then the pathogens start forming um, in there and people start dying and getting seriously ill. And then entire societies have been geared towards avoiding pork and now it's like all these these little ritualistic cleansings and those things they all actually very practical ways of solving public health issues years ago that have just somehow been baked into into our society and into our religions and and like those sorts of things so it's it's a it's a it's a very fascinating evolution of like culture mm. 
Yeah, when you say uh, it, it, you know, uh, enters into our religious frame and adapted, adopted, or whatever it is. Um, so the question is, I believe um, that you shouldn't be, you know, eat pork. And when this I believe creedal statement is made about things, hmm. now there's now there's issues between people because, um, you know, we we all need to go to the market. Yeah, we all need to. To go to some central place where goods are stored and sold, and and um, you know, I mean, the whole the whole area of halal and all of that comes in. Um, uh, is this halal? Is that not halal? So yeah. it's it's very it's it it could be an interesting debate, but often these things do lead to the wars that are yeah. between us. Which sadly, if yeah. if something if something has a spiritual dynamic in your view in in your life. Why does it have to be a fight with somebody who may be different in what they do? Uh, can't we just exist in peace alongside one another? Here we're thinking on education Sunday. We use the word education. Then it's an opportunity to learn, to learn wider than what you have learned. I mean, education Education can contaminate if it's the wrong information to gullible people. Mm. But education is there, I think, to challenge us to ask the questions emerging from ourselves, but also what we observe mm. in the world through eyes and ears. Um, and so we, 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 we you know, uh, I, one of the things that I went to to look up the value of education uh, was that it, it opens the mind. Education, yeah. you know, you learn so your mind can broaden and open. And I mean, this is the the, prob the problem with, with the way in which we construct faith, uh, belief, worship. Uh, we, 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 we act like Pharisees. We, 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 we assume something like, like, let's say for the traditionalists, um, you know, uh, changing the altar from the wall to where the priest can now stand facing people with, you know, with it has a different impact. So for some people, oh, that's just going to destroy their faith. Or some who think that, um, you know, that reading the Bible this way in a more fundamentalistic way is the right way because it's the uncontaminated word of God. So you must read, but you're reading it in English and not in its original language. Is that mm. a problem? So it's interesting how when when we when we become when when our when our when our religion and our spirituality becomes so dogmatic, yet religion is an area of education. Yeah. It's ongoing learning and reflection on this on the, those texts we receive. That should spark of questions for further research and then, and then bring us to a sense, you know, yeah, I can actually embrace this in my life. Well, I'm sorry I took the conversation out of your hand, but I just no, thought I'd bring no. that into the frame. No, as it's, well. it's, an, it's an important thing. Um, like it, it even gets referenced uh, in the in the the readings uh, with it's Isaiah uh, 58 verses one to nine, um, where it's Isaiah now speaking, kind of like relaying what the Lord says about um, what God at the time uh, says about fasting. And it's like the kind of fasting I want is this. Remove the chains of oppression and the yoke of injustice and let the oppressed go free. Share your food with the hungry and open your homes to the homeless poor. Give clothes to those who have nothing to wear and do not refuse to help your own relatives. Then my favor will shine on you like the morning sun and your wounds will be quickly healed. I will always be with you to save you. My presence will protect you on every side. When you pray, I will answer you. When you call to me, I will respond. And this is Isaiah speaking into a context where um, you have like rich landowners who have slaves um, and like the Pharisees and everything. And he's like, yo, you don't have to make yourself like we don't have to see that you fasting, you know, like. That sort of fasting is not cool when you still like having people in servitude and like treating people poorly. Um, like then you might as well not fast. And it, it's, it's all these like it's, it's all this. It's addressing this idea of like theater of of. 
of kindness, like the theater of humanity, where it's like, I I am boastfully, um, I'm making a big show of, of donating to whatever charity, and I'm championing this charity, but meanwhile, like you're being horrible to your neighbor, you know, <laughs> and like your neighbor's kids, and like you, 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 um, reporting them to the homeowners association for like noise because like the kids are being kids. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know, you're paying people poorly um, at, at yeah. the, you know, at the business that you own, um, mm. treating people poorly. And yeah, it, it's like, it, it, it's, it's these, and then again, um, uh, we're continuing with, with the Sermon of the Ma- on the Mount. Before you we, get there, yeah? music, could I just say, it was very interesting that you say that because when I read through this, it struck me how, you know, whenever, I, whenever we come to this time of the year, the Lenten season, then I think of spiritual disciplines. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard Foster wrote about the eight spiritual disciplines and fasting is one of them. And there's always a query around fasting, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, because, I mean, it, it relates to our Lenten experience. And then as I read the parts that you now also read, so I thought, and I wrote this down, Spiritual discipline has social implications. Mm. And it's very interesting to note that, you know, you, 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 you probably can get various understandings of fasting depending on the kind of number of people you speak to. Mm. But this, this is very interesting. The kind of fasting, fasting I want is this. Now, now then he he brings in there. That's why I understood that this part of it, the kind of fasting I want, who's saying this? It's God saying this according to the text. So we relate spirituality to God. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we often assume spirituality is just for the inner person. Um, so fasting is good for me because I can lose weight or because I pray it's a time for prayer or it's related to some spiritual benefit for the individual. Yet, when we engage a text like this, we, we, and, we, and, we, and we don't necessarily go to the Sermon on the Mount only, we go to Matthew 25. Mm. When I was sick, did you visit me? Mm. You know, so, 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 Thinking of Matthew and Isaiah connecting, <laughs> bringing them into conversation with each other, we have to ask ourselves, does our worship on Sunday have social implications? Mm-hmm. Is God wanting us to reflect further than just the sanctuary? Um, I know Bishop Margaret often talks about the role of the deacon in the church is to take leadership to bring us into the sanctuary, bring the world into the sanctuary, and then taking the world from, then going from the sanctuary to the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the deacon has reference to serving. Yeah. So, so does spiritual discipline, does it, does, is, it, is it then my part of my service to God amongst God's people, where the serving would be an impact on uh, social dynamics mm. and not just that I'm saving my soul in the event only. Saving of the soul has implications for for the day-to-day living in the material world. Yeah. yeah. But you, you can take it a step further, like just on a on a on a human culture kind of, of level and how we, we put up these these gateways to to access to like worship like all these rituals we we purposefully exclude people through silly things like you must wear your sunday best (laughs) (laughs) and it's like wow (laughs) guys the like is it i i know in the past maybe it would have been like because the rich people are going to church um that the poor people believe that they must also dress up how the rich people dressed at the time um and and it, it just creates uh, this 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 animosity uh towards like organized religion mm. and and that's it's it's where the 
it created the opportunity for like the hill songs and uh, those churches yeah. the riversides to to kind of enter and offer a a different space for people to come um as they are you know mm. or at least uh, just as you are on the outside not as you are on the inside because there's still some very outdated ideas of of what a person should be like um there so it's not really open to everybody. It's not really home for 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 everybody because things like homosexuality are still frowned upon, or at least uh, <laughs> negatively taken very seriously um, mm. in in the many of those communities. Um, mm. There's still the pray away the gay vibes going on there, which is just absolutely shocking. But it, it's 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 a and and that's where like education comes in, where. Um, like I have achieved the enlightenment of agnosticism through education because I've asked too many questions and found too many insufficient answers to ever entirely swallow the idea of like Christianity. Um, and and we were talking about it last night, actually. A friend of ours um, is reading a new book. I forget what the book's title is, but it, it's like about the demons in the world. And I was asking my wife, and and and, and I said it with, with uh, uh, out of a lot of respect, obviously, towards her, her faith. Um, it's like, I don't understand how people in this day and age, highly educated people, can form a worldview where there is this sinister, like, evil force out there coming to get them. And it's like, if you just think about it, if you just observe a situation where you were maybe done wrong and, like, remove any possibility that it could be some sort of divine punishment or, like, a sinister force, and you just look at, like, the interpersonal, you take accountability for your role, in in like the, the situation and you look at the interpersonal relationship because m most of the time it's going to be another person on the other side of, of the situation and you just look at the psychology and you try to understand where they're coming from um, instead of just chalking it up to like this no oh, it was the devil at work you know <laughs> it's like how do you live life in fear of 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 something that <clears throat> doesn't exist that there's no concrete evidence for if you just like think about it for a second yeah you know I, when you were talking when you started out talking i was quite interested in the fact that um the lord says shout as loud as you can tell my people israel about their sin um now of course um there is the personification of evil, um, lead me not into temptation. Who is, who is who, who, where does temptation come from and the fall into sin itself and so on. So the emphasis in some uh, Christian mindsets when reading scripture, they read about spiritual warfare and so they clogged into that, um, um, you know, we fight not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities. Mm. So all of that comes into the frame. Um, yet, yet, here the Lord confronts Israel through the prophet uh, to say, tell my people about their sins. And I was quite interested in that because we in our liturgy both the evening and morning prayer office as well as our uh, Eucharist. Um, our, our, uh, there's a call to confession. There's a call to repentance. Let us mm. call to mind our sins. And I'm thinking here yeah, where God says, tell my people Israel about their sins. The prophet has to inform them about their sins. So when the Synaxist calls us to uh, let us call to mind and confess our sins, is, is that registering a call from God as the prophet here was given that call? 
Now, when now you do know in in your in our practice of the liturgy, there's always this sense of do I have enough time to call to mind all the sins I've committed in the past week, uh, or that there's too many to to remember this year specifically. Yeah, yeah, specifically, that has to do with, you know, the misunderstanding of, fa- of fasting and worship when our life outside uh, does not display the, the, the truth of our worship and of our spiritual disciplines. Um, uh, so, so, yes, this, this thing about, um, about you know, um, the, that you were talking about regarding you know, the spiritual warfare. I think that's how I understood it yeah. and gathered it up. I think um, the book was actually is, called You know, when, 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 when Jesus teaches us in the prayer, the Lord's Prayer, he said uh, yeah. the issue yeah. of not forgiveness, um, we admit, yeah. um, you know, and, and so there, there are those who, you know, conjure up stuff. I remember being on the tennis court some years ago. And because they knew I was a priest, I was working in fish and some uh, the four, sorry, four moons, the blood moons. And somebody had written a book about this. And, you know, these things conjure up fear in us. When the text is read to, to put fear in us and not to draw us to faith. Well, even the most challenging of texts should draw us to faith. But the intention is not to drive fear in us because... If it is true, and I believe it is, that one of the authors of Scripture was um, inspired to say that God is love and therefore true love casts out all fear, then is the intention of Scripture to put fear into us or to draw us into the arms of a loving God? When we are in that arms by faith, we then live out the implications of what that love means to us in relation to the world and to other people and even to ourselves. So, yes, you you made a statement early on, and I was very attracted to it. It's not a new statement, I've heard, but the, these, the, the developments of worldviews, which includes faith, is where sometimes our conflict our conflict. It's no longer us reflecting together mm-hmm. on the text. Now we're fighting about the development of, of world views which differ. So um, I often wondered why my theological causes never included a theme on spiritual warfare. Or is it, is, is, is it because we believe that the, cru- the crucified Christ won the battle and for us now to live in response to the resurrection, the new life, um, the life of the spirit, as Paul talks about in his letter to the Romans, that should be our focus. But it doesn't, it doesn't take us away from realizing that we do have temptations and we do fall into sin. So Jesus' prayer for us is so crucial. And, um, and so the, the, this is a very interesting debate. Um, about it, and yet again on Education Sunday, our faith must not be so shallow. It we need education for our lives, spiritual education, biblical education. Uh, in in fact, I think that in this month um, and in this liturgy, uh, Matthew's gospel, as everybody else's gospel, Matthew's gospel specifically, is a teaching gospel. And so sitting on the mount teaching people, Jesus the teacher, should the church should take seriously um, where teaching falls in, is preaching and teaching the same thing? Uh, is it enough to do it on a Sunday morning? Because there's many misconceptions. People listen to sermons and they hear it in the way that they hear it. The, the preacher preaches in the way that the preacher hears, hears it. And there's no platform where we come together and say, well, I'm not so sure I believe the way you, in, you, the way you um, understood the text, but it should lead us to conversation. Prayerful conversation should lead us to community, whether you would agree with me or not, because it's in our conversation that we can grow. It's in our conversation that the Spirit of God can, can educate us and grow us. 
And that's why I mean I'm 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 fixated by this week's ed, uh, quote on education that it leads us to an open mind. Spirituality doesn't lead us to a closed mind and a closed heart. In fact, spirituality, scripture, the Christian faith, in my view, um, is there to open us. If I can use some symbolism from the from the revelation of John, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who opens up the door, I will come in. And what will happen? I will sup with him. There will be fellowship. And in that fellowship, we will I, we will learn, we will grow, we will engage and be engaged. Um, and so we are more open-minded than, and open-hearted than closed itself. You know, faith is a risk. And people who want to cotton up faith do damage to faith as far as I'm concerned. Um, I, I'm sure there's so many themes in scripture, so many texts that we haven't even bothered to go in deeply. Mm. And it's a challenge for us to say, what have we not yet learned? And what have you got to relearn? I love the way you framed um, faith as being a risk because it comes down to that idea of like, what if you got it wrong? You know, because faith is, is, is it, it's a bit. It, it's a bet on something. <laughs> it's a bet on a belief. And yeah. you must be open to the idea that you can be wrong. Um, that's why I kind of cop out and, and call myself an agnostic uh, so that I leave enough room for, <laughs> for like, errors. <laughs> um, and, yeah, it's, it's a, wow, that, that was such a wonderful framing. I, 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 I applaud you for that, actually. Um, and yeah, like this absolutism, this idea of, of absolutism, where it's like, where you believe that you've read the entire Bible, so you know the story, you know, like this is what was said, thus is the, thus says the Lord sort of stuff, must be stamped out. Um, and it, it's something I, I try and teach my kids as well, where it's like, as much as you have the right to believe in something, someone else also has the right to believe in something, and it's your responsibility to figure out why they think the way they do. Um, and then in that, you kind of training yourself on on like a different uh, perspective. And it, it comes through in the, the this part of the Sermon of the Mount that I think sometimes people miss the point where obviously Jesus is now laying down the, the foundation of, of, of his philosophies. Um, it's according to Matthew 5, verse 13 to 20. And I'm just going to go through the first couple of texts before he gets into like the, the heaven stuff. So it's like, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And then he goes on to like, don't think I have come to abolish the law, I have come to fulfill it. But it's like such a positive affirmation. Um, like a city on a hill cannot be hid. You are the light of the world. So he's, 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 he's restoring a sense of, ownership to people he's restoring that confidence where it's like you are not being dictated to you are living your life and you should live it to your best and i i don't think enough people with enough interpretations take that into account like those positive affirmations um because they always jump to um, like the commandments, but and and like all those things, where it's like Jesus was just like trying to inspire people, you know. Yeah. Can I can I preface my response to what you just said? Uh, and it really touches base with something that you said earlier on, um, and something I had said. I mean, 
faith is a necessary risk because we do live our lives every day believing uh, that it's okay to get into our car and drive and uh, that kind of stuff and it'll be safe to be at work and all that. We, we, live, we live our lives by faith. And there was this text that I was really, really challenged by one day. I actually preached on it and in my sermon there was engagement from the congregation uh, about this. Jesus was, was asking this, uh, this father if he believed that his child would, um, would be well. And he said, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Now, we are in that journey as far as I'm concerned. In this, Jesus, who is Jesus speaking to? Uh, what, are, what is, the, in terms of the people living under that oppressive rule of the Romans, the oppressive rule of the religious sector as well? Um, so, so this sense of identity their sense of who they are to God, um, to the creator God who, you know, and, and, and religion is telling them this thing and the oppressors, the political people are telling them this thing. Jesus comes in after talking about the blessedness, the character of who he is and whom God wants us to be, pure in heart and all of that beautiful stuff. It comes now into the frame of the he identifies the identity. What, 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 is, what is the purpose of God for you on earth? You are salt of the earth. In other words, without you, the world has lost itself. So you have a purpose. Yeah. So you're right. It's about inspiration. Yeah. Now, now, you and I know from our engagement with ourselves and others that even though we you know, we, we, the, the world is so old and humanity is, well, I don't know how many billions of years old. There is still in every one of us an uncertainty of who we are, yes. a sense of identity, and then, of course, a sense of purpose. So then we run wild, think gives us comfort and assurance that this is who we are. And so we end up perhaps um, wanting to identify uh, with a particular class of people, or we end up identifying with a particular way of life. Mm. You know, um, uh, um, I, I recognize this in the in the confidence of the Rastafarians, who who they are on corners selling whatever they believe is there, and we faced with it. We look at them sometimes with suspicion and unbelief that people would be there. But what is Jesus saying? He's helping, for me, he's helping me battle in this journey. Lord, I do believe, but please address my unbelief. So in addressing my unbelief, helping me to grapple with my questions and all the other stuff that I have going on, that side is also empowering my believing. I come to believe that, you know, this, but, but help even to shape, to shape that to going forward. Mm. So yes, I think this is inspiration. One of my 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 um, my uh, he, he, he says this is who you are. But but I also said I'm the light of the world. So he's associating these people enslaved with who he is to the world. And so he invites them to become part of that to the world. Mm. That even though you are oppressed and pushed aside and voiceless on the political and social levels and on the religious level in some ways, I, I want you to shine with me. Mm. I want you to help bring light to the darknesses um, that we're experiencing. Uh, and light is hope to the hopeless and voice to the voiceless and so in a way the inspiration is not just be that on your own but be that in community with me uh, um, and so and so this is and so he goes on to identify what he's about do not think so challenges what perspective what thought processes are out there that I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So when you understand your identity and you, uh, uh, you know, join me by faith, then we are not here to bring down what has the intention for good. We're mm. here to enable it to be to, to continue reaching its fulfillment. So so yes, I, I'd like what I like what you say.
is here to inspire us. He's here to draw us into his vision. Um, he's here to give people in a state of oppression in their minds, in their psyche, and even in their spirituality, because, because the Pharisees were dictating. Mm. They were causing class distinctions. They thought they were more educated than the rest of the people. So the people had to be told and kept and kept in bondage rather yeah. than to be free. And and, and so, so that's why we, we end up talking about Jesus as the radical one. Mm. Uh, because he, he, he empowered the disempowered. Yeah. And, through and education. Indeed. Um, and and I mean, he was, he was a scholar. Mm-hmm. He was a scholar of, of the text, of the law, of like yeah. from a very young age. And it's, it's, it's the use of education as not, not as a weapon that you can wield over the uneducated, but to share it. And, and I think even if we look at education from like a mentorship perspective, um, we should be sharing our knowledge, like in your workplace, in at home with 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 children. With you should be open to share your experiences because we can only learn if we learn from each other. You know, and and that uplifts everybody. And and a, a, there's a silly example that I have of this where, obviously. The ESCOM situation is crazy. And so the the editor of the African desk of The Economist decided to equate a wind project um, that was launched in in Mpumalanga. And it somehow costed the same as what ESCOM had spent on diesel for the open cycle gas turbines. And he's like, if ESCOM had invested that money a year ago in like wind power instead of like burning diesel, then they would have had the same generation now and more reliable like going forward. Um, and then I, I said, it's like they didn't budget to spend that money. Mm. You know? Like you have to look at the 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 spike in the cost of of fuel because of the war in in Ukraine. You have to look at all of these things that factored into like the original budget was eight billion rand, and they've spent twenty two. But also yeah. to procure that kind of project, ESCOM can only make a recommendation to NERSA. NERSA has to give the approval, or it has to form part of the integrated resources plan as set out by the Minister of Education. I mean, Minister of Mineral Resources and and, and Energy. Um, and he has to make amendments to to allow for like these newer kind of generation. And this is one of the roadblocks that's standing in the way now, is that he hasn't updated the plan yet to include the newer um, projects that, that are very much needed, that are ready to come online. Um, so it's like, well, what are you actually saying? You know, you're using your education to make this wild read on a situation and you are misinforming the public, mm. you know, and you're contributing to the declining morale within the republic, you know. Mm. But isn't that part of the tool of oppression? Yeah. Give misinformation. Yeah. I mean, Donald Trump's fake news was a way of causing mis- disinformation and spreading, uh, you know, casting the weeds amongst the the, the born. Um, and, and people are inclined to just believe things out there. We, we, are, we are given a kind of in, in, a, a um, way of saying, hold it, you know, we mustn't be swayed by everything, so everything needs to be discerned. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, in our world, we place authority and power in the hands of a few people when we elect them. Mm. Now, mm. when you say, now, what's happened to that white paper? Then somebody would say, well, it's at on the desk of the president. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> and now you say so he has the authority to mess us around and determine or a minister of that yeah. what's name to mess us around and determine um you know so you it's it's there's always gatekeepers mm. 
but whether they are the right people to be put there or maybe they are put there because the people behind them uh, need a buffer yeah. from, from the, the questions of the populace. So the, that's why Jesus goes to the mount top, the mount, the, the mount, to speak a language to people that would get them to think about their lives, that would enable them at some stage to be empowered to speak truth to power. That word, those words are so important, speaking truth to power. Mm. Um, come the 9th of February, I, I'm, I've never been one who sat on, on hinges waiting for Sona to happen. Mm. But even in the, in, the, in the ecumenical movement that I'm part of, you know, the question is about church's response to what we hear the president say. But now, how are we going to how are we going to engage it? Um, we may have heard it, some will read it and reflect on it and give their opinions. But what does that mean to the person, the, the older person, who, who lets them know the importance or the lack of importance of Sona reflecting on raising us up? From the from the mire that we've stepped into because mm -hmm. of wrongful situations, um, that is why I like this um, way in which God engages the people from the prophetic uh, perspective. You know, um, did God say this in order to hound the people, tell my people about this, and so did He actually want to bring them to that point of saying, you know? I really want to help you. I really, you, you matter to me. Uh, but there is this, in, in, this stumbling block that I want to, because that will keep you from hearing what I'm, I'm, I'm engaging. So in other words, God's, God's perspective, God's eye of what is happening in the world now reflected through the mouth of the prophet to the people to bring them to that point of, you know, I, I, amidst all the other things, your wounds will be quickly healed. To a wounded people, uh, uh, the people Jesus spoke to were the wounded people, the people that perhaps are so disempowered, disenfranchised, that they will not want to engage Sona because mm. changes are, promises, are promised changes never come now how do how does our spirituality if our if our spiritual discipline has social implications social implications is not just speaking truth to power it's empowering the disempowered so they're actually placing god's world and um and that's why we must find ways of, and we spoke earlier about this language and words. Yeah. We must find words. All of us, I need re-education. I, oh, I need education because I'm not so sure that I can speak to yeah. children about all of these important things that matters to their lives for the future. I think I wrote, I brought that into the frame in my prayer for Education Sunday because this is what I read. Um, may we all see the value of learning for it is the passport to the future and, I, and, and, and to live with open minds. And so how do I, how do I help the child to see this in their long, young life? Or the grandmother, she's, she's not died yet. She's still living in this world. So even if she's 80 or 90, there's implications for her. And, and, and so with this education, will we help people to find a helpful spirituality, a helpful view of God and God's action in the world and how to engage scripture in order to be formed by its message, the message of hope. And, and to tell those who are disenfranchised what Jesus said and what it means to them. You are the salt of the world, of the earth. God needs your presence. God needs your availability to bring taste to an often tasteless world. Yeah, and that I think that is a great point to end on because I was speaking to to a, a friend and, and, and confident and mentor 
mentor uh, yesterday and he was saying he was looking at his Netflix um, profile and he's been watching just a lot of animation because he thinks he's trying to escape from like the harsh realities of the world. And I asked him, I was like, because we, we had a, we had like a branch uh, meeting and I, and I asked him like on your route to this venue today, were, was your life in danger? Like, were you under the threat of violence? Then he was like, no. Mm. And I'm like, exactly. The world that we get fed through the news is not the world that we live in. You know, it's not a true reflection of reality. Like mm. these pockets of, of violence mm. and crime get a disproportionately loud voice through the media because it evokes outrage and makes you click on a story, you know? Everything is never as good or as bad mm. as it seems. Like we need load shedding. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a necessary tool to maintain our electricity grid so that we do not end up like Pakistan that had a complete grid collapse two weeks ago. The entire country was without electricity for 36 hours. Mm. So it's like, mm. they are competent people, educated, competent people, trying their best every day <laughs> to make this country run. And you are competent in yourself, and you are trying your best to live your best life, you know, under the circumstances. Mm. It's like the city on the yeah. hill cannot be hid, you know? Mm. And I thank you for listening. Um, thank you for tuning in. And I was going to say before you, before you end, my I would like just to read what I'd written uh, for for Celebration of mm -hmm. Education Sunday. Yeah. Okay. So I wrote this called God of Playground and of Classroom. That's the the heading. And um, the, the the parish has sang it already, and it's sung to to the tune of two hymns. Uh, either one, God of Grace and God of Glory by Harry Emerson Fostick, and then Guide Me, O Thy Great Redeemer, that was written by John Hughes. So I wrote this text in January 2018, and the first verse goes, God of playground and of classroom, God of language and of maths, help us always give attention so we may improve our lives. God of playground, God of classroom, give us insight as we learn. The second verse goes, God of learner and of teacher, God of science and of gym, help us with our contribution and to grow our intellect. God of learner, God of teacher, bless the classroom atmosphere. And the last verse reads, God, our loving educator, God of human life and love, help us to embrace your wisdom, which will lead us into life. God, our loving educator, form us, grow us, make us whole. Thanks, Lindsay, and thanks for everybody listening. Thank you, everybody. Uh, the choice verses are in the podcast description alongside the prayers.